in the lesson this morning. This will be our starting place. We will will be somewhat thematic for the for the message this morning, the Sunday school lesson. It was just Thanksgiving week. Hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you didn't just stuff yourself with turkey and spend time with family and friends and the rest of that. Hope that you did set aside some time to express your gratitude towards the Lord. Of course, it should not be a once-a-year occurrence. Thanksgiving should be a way of life for the child of God. It is important that we are thankful. It is important that we be thankful, that we have grateful hearts. But then it is important that we express that gratitude. We, it, it's not enough just to, just, to, just to feel thanks to God. We need to give. Thanks to God. You understand the difference? There need there needs to be an expression of that appreciation and of that gratitude, and that can take on many different forms. There are many ways in which we can give God thanks, but it is something that we need to give. It is something we need to do. We can do that privately in prayer, corporately in worship. It all just be on a continual basis in our homes, in our schools, on our jobs. What we'll to be giving thanks? To God, it is also true that there are ways in which, most likely subconsciously, that we often express just the opposite. There are things that we do, things that we say that that evidence the ingratitude of our hearts or the unthankfulness of our hearts. And and again, many times we're not even consciously aware of it, but there are many of these. Covetousness, for instance, not what we'll study this morning, but covetousness is an expression of ingratitude. The attitude of covetous says, I deserve more. God should have given me what I don't have, and he is wrong for doing so or for not doing so. That is an expression of in gratitude, if our prayer lives take on the characteristic of presenting to God a wish list of all the things that we want that we don't have, if our prayer lives don't include praise and thanksgiving, then that in itself is an expression of ingratitude. According to Romans chapter 1, rejecting God's revelation is a result of or the outcome of being un. Thankful. Think about it. What about people who who reject the gospel? The Bible says in Hebrews that they trod under their feet the blood of the Son of God, and and they count it an unholy thing, and they show despot to the Spirit of grace. The ultimate ingratitude, the ultimate unthankfulness, is to reject the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. When you say, "No, I don't want that. No, I don't value that," how ungrateful can you be? But there, there are ways, even if we're saved, that we often express just the opposite of thankfulness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I know we're all very excited with that topic being announced. But Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says this. The, the Bible says, do all things. So this is very um, inclusive. This is very broad. When the Bible says do all things, guess what it's talking about? All things. Everything you do. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. What God is saying is that there is no excuse that he will accept for murmuring. 
that there is never a valid reason for us to murmur. Murmuring is the antithesis of thankfulness. Murmuring is the very opposite of gratitude. To murmur means to make a low and continued noise like the hum of bees, a stream of water rolling waves, or the wind in the forest as the murmuring surge. It's just something that's, that might be low, but it's constant. It means to grumble, to complain, to utter complaints in a low, half-articulated voice that under your breath, negative comments. It's to utter sullen discontent. I don't like this. It didn't go my way. Wah, wah, wah. Right? When used with the word at, murmur at, murmur comes before the thing which is the cause of the discontent, such as murmur not at sickness. Okay? So when we murmur at sickness, the sickness is the reason we're discontented and we're murmuring at it. When the word is used with against, it is used before the active agent which produces the evil. That'll be important uh, as we move along. I'm not sure how far we'll get on this. Several verses to look at. But what God is saying in Philippians 2.14 is don't allow this to be part of your speech. Don't allow this to be part of your conduct. We need to do whatever it takes to weed this out of our heart. Leave it out of our communications. Do all things without murmurings. And disputings. Anybody convicted yet? Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. That's a great Bible study. All the things that God does not want us to be ignorant about. Brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. Now, about what? How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink. They drank that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. With many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So, the Lord does not want us to be ignorant about something that pertains to the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. He's about to give us some history. He said, look, they, they were baptized to Moses. They ate the spiritual meat. They drank from the rock. But God was not pleased with them in verse number 5. Why? Verse number 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. God wants us to learn from the mistakes that they made and not be ignorant. Verse number seven, neither be idolaters as were some of them. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, rose at play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. God is very, very, very serious about that sin. Neither let us tempt Christ. Verse nine, as some of them also tempted, were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. God very clearly wants us to learn from the mistakes they made, learn from their 
bad example not to follow in their footsteps because what they did was displeasing to God, according to verse number 5. What they did brought destruction and judgment, according to the record of the Old Testament. And one of those things that was displeasing to God and God wants us to not be ignorant of was their murmurings. Verse number 10, neither murmur ye. So let's go back to the account from the Old Testament and see what lessons we can learn about God's disapproval of their murmuring from this period in Israel's history. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter number 15. This is the first time that the word murmuring shows up in the Bible. Exodus 15. And look at verse number 22. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Exodus 15. Here's where they did it and why they did it and what happened when they did. Exodus 15 verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out in the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, now look. Think back in your mind for just a moment. Exodus 12, Passover night. They are delivered from bondage in Egypt by the mighty hand of God. A miraculous deliverance pictures the, the pictures our salvation redeemed by the blood of a lamb. Exodus 14, they come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army in hot pursuit. Things are getting really dicey, but God steps in once more with miraculous deliverance. He puts this pillar of fire in between the Israelites and Pharaoh's army. He parts the Red Sea. They cross on dry ground. As soon as Pharaoh and his chariots step in, the waves, the water crashes in upon them, and they're all drowned in the sea, and Israel is saved and Israel is spared. Now they go three days in the wilderness, and the Bible says they found no water. Now, think about, try to think about that this morning. That's a big problem. Remember, this company is most likely more than 2 million people. Three days, no water. Not just the people. The Bible says in Exodus 12, they took many flocks and herds and very much cattle. And three days, and they found no water. That could quickly become a devastating and a deadly situation. Understand, what they faced in Exodus 15, it was not a little problem. This is a big problem. Verse number 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. Now, can you imagine the disappointment? Three days, found no water. They come to a place that has some water, but they can't drink the water because the water's bitter. This is, this is, this is just becoming a very desperate situation. Can you imagine that some of that two million plus company of people probably at this point getting a little bit edgy? <laughs> right? I mean, let you go three days without water and then come to water and then the water's bitter and you can't drink it. Let's just see how you feel and how you act and how you talk. Put two million people together out in the wilderness. You understand this is it's a tough spot. This is really, really dicey. Verse number 24, and the people murmured 
against Moses saying, what shall we drink? It's really easy to read Exodus 15 as I sit in a nice air-conditioned home in a comfortable chair and criticize the people of Israel for murmuring. But let's just ask ourselves this question. What do we think that we would have done in that situation? How do you think we might have responded to three days, no water, then you find water and it's bitter? Let me ask you this. Have you or have you not murmured in the, mu- in the face of much less dire straits? I mean, if there's been a time in your life when you complained about something, was it worse than this or was it... Maybe kind of nothing compared to a group of too many people three days without water. They murmured, verse 24. And the Bible says they murmured against Moses. Do you remember when the word murmur is used with against? Murmur comes before the active agent which produces the evil. When they murmur against Moses, they're saying, Moses, this is your fault. To murmur implies assigning blame to someone for whatever it is that's causing your distress or your discontent or your unhappiness. When they murmured against Moses, they're pointing their finger in their face. They're saying, Moses, this is all your fault. But come on, let's learn from their example. This is written for our admonition. God does not want us to be ignorant. What's the personal application? When we murmur... Who are we blaming? Do you know ultimately this is what it comes down to? When we, when we complain, when we gripe, when we bellyache, we're saying, I deserve better. When we get bent out of shape and twisted and just spew this garbage out of our mouth, what we're really saying ultimately is none of this is my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And ultimately... God, how could you let this happen? You see, they murmur against Moses. There is something in the desperately wicked human heart that just expects everyone and everything around us to be perfect. I don't know what that is. Unless it's this subconscious idea that we ourselves are perfect. And we have this lofty standard set by us that we expect everybody else to live up to. Why is it that we get so disappointed in a world filled with sin and sinners and imperfect people and the curse from Genesis 3? Why do we get so bent out of shape when things don't go just right? What in the world has ever gone just right? Since man and woman disobeyed God. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at us. Okay? I need this. I think we all need this. To murmur is to assign blame to God for allowing things to go differently than we would prefer. Ultimately, we're saying, God, you're not doing this right. Verse number 24, the people murmured against Moses saying, what should we do? Now think about it. What would have been the alternative? What could they have done differently admittedly they were in a really really tough spot i cannot imagine 
the difficulty of the situation that they're facing. But you think maybe they could have prayed? You think maybe instead of murmuring against Moses, they could have taken their trouble to God? Did he not just perform some very impressive miracles on their behalf? As we read and continue the passage, it's evident Lord had a solution ready. He had a fix for their problem. He is about to come through again with miraculous provision. They could have skipped over the murmuring in verse 24 and went straight to the blessings in the following verses had they simply responded differently, had they taken a, a, made a different choice. And here's, here's the next lesson we learned about murmuring. The alternative to murmuring is prayer. There's no denying that at some point as we go through life, we'll have occasion to complain. We will have reason to be disappointed or to be upset or to... But what will we do in that situation? We can respond in a number of different ways. They could have responded by saying, God, help! And they responded by saying, Moses, you fool! We're all going to die! We could just cast our cares on the Lord. We could leave it in God's hands and trust Him to do what's best. Let's purpose to try that the next time we're tempted to complain, to gripe. To murmur. Verse number 25, he cried to the Lord, this is Moses, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore, there he made for them a statute, an ordinance, and they reproved them. So, so God had a solution. Hey, Moses, get this tree, put it in the water, the water will be fine. It's a miracle. They could have, God could have given that answer in response to the people's prayer instead of to Moses' prayer after they murmured against him. That's not, not what they did. We need to learn. We need to not be ignorant. We need to let their examples be for our admonition. Now in verse 25, what a beautiful picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a tree that can take something that was bitter and make it sweet. Anything that is bitter and make it sweet. Jesus Christ and his cross gives us a perpetual reason to choose thankfulness. An ongoing cause for rejoicing. No matter what the dry season we're facing in our lives is, there is a tree that can make bitter water turn sweet. What a blessing. Verse 25, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse 25, there he proved them. There he proved them. Verse 26, and said, if thou wilt. Diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, and keep all the statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Look what was just on the other side of their gripe session. Look what was just, just past Mara 
out there in the wilderness of Shur, it was Elam. Twelve wells of water, 70 palm trees, an oasis in the desert, a place of blessing and of refreshing. Do you know why the Lord brought these people to Marah? Because it was on the way to Elam. He couldn't get them to Elam unless he took them through Mara. Does that make sense? What's the application? What are we to learn? How, how can we get this through our minds so we're not ignorant? Do you know why God brings us through some of the wilderness times of life in order to bring us to a place where there's 12 wells and 70 palm trees, and he can't get us there unless he takes us through Mara first. Do you understand? We've got to come through the one situation to get to where God wants us to be, where he can bless us. What we need to determine is that we're just going to skip over the murmuring on the way. All right, look at Exodus 16. Same song. Different verse. Verse number one, they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. That's a really interesting name for a place, isn't it? On the 15th day of the second month after their parting out of the land of Egypt and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They really learned a lot. In chapter 15, it seems. And the children of Israel said to them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. Do you really think that's what they were doing as they were slaves? Sitting by flesh pots and eating bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Well, Pharaoh was going to kill you with whips. And with rigorous bondage. And you cried to God, oh, please save us. All right. Again, it is astounding to us as we sit here and read the account this morning that they would so quickly repeat the mistake that they just made. But which of us has not evidenced an incredible propensity to do the exact same thing? How many of us have made the same mistake twice in short succession? We, instead, of, instead of being critical of them, maybe we should just learn from them. See ourselves in the passage and want to, once again ask, what will we have done? Okay, now it's not they don't have water, now it's they don't have food. I like food. I'm addicted to food. If you're alive, you're addicted to food too. An addiction is something you just got to have, Right? How pleasant are you when you don't have food? When it's been three hours since you've tasted food? Or when the food provided isn't something you prefer? Yikes. Okay. The lesson in this chapter is the same. God has a solution to their problem. Instead of murmuring, they could have prayed. And they could have just had a great time rejoicing in the way that God provided versus... Four through seven, God's going to send manna. He's going to rain bread from heaven and go out and gather a certain amount every day. The sixth day, gather twice as much. Uh, verse number 
7 in the morning, we should see the glory of the Lord for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread of the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against him. See that? Verse number 2, the Bible says, The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. But in verse number Eight, the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. In, in, in reality, when they murmured against Moses and Aaron, it actually went higher than that. Ultimately, they were murmuring against God. And God heard it. Verse number 12, the Lord, or verse 11, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speaking of them, saying, that even you shall eat flesh, the morning you shall be filled with bread, you shall know that I am the Lord. Your God. Now, murmuring again, it's the exact opposite of thankfulness. You can't do both. You can't be thankful if you're murmuring. You can't murmur if you're expressing gratitude. They're mutually exclusive, which means in every situation, we have a choice. Will we be grateful? Will we murmur? We will express thanks. Will we express, God, you are so unfair. Right? Do all things without murmurings and disputings. There are other passages that we have to look at uh, to finish out this lesson, but we are out of time for this morning. So we will revisit it next time that we're together. And we will all look forward to it with great anticipation. Let's pray. And then we'll practice. Father, sure do thank you this morning for the opportunity to look at your word. God, really important and convicting lessons that we learn. Um, Father, how, uh, how inclined we are. God, how inclined I am. Just get bent out of shape when everything and everybody isn't perfect. Um, Lord, we, we sure have a propensity oftentimes to grumble, to complain. Help us, Father, to recognize that, to fight against it, to choose, to express, to give thanks in all things, for all things. Lord, you certainly do deserve it, and we love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.